Well, good morning again, everybody. Uh, last week, I began to discuss uh, healing again. And the reason for that is, well, just it's part of the Word of God, but, you know, we've just been faced with some challenges around here and different people, and just really got me thinking about the Word of God and, and, and God's will to heal um, and how it should be taught. Last week, just to give a little bit of review, we looked at the first point that I made, and we asked the question, is it God's will to heal? Is healing God's will? And one of the things we looked at was right off the bat was creation. We saw that in the very beginning from creation that God made the heavens and the earth and man looked at it and said, it is very good. We saw from the very beginning that there was no sickness upon the earth. As a matter of fact, there was no sickness until after the fall. That is when sickness began to come on the earth, and it's recorded because of sin, sickness came into the earth. We also looked at revelations, and we saw how God said that there will be no pain, that all of our tears are wiped away, and there will be no pain, and there will be no death. Well, sickness is something that causes the product of death and is always working towards that. And so here we see in the beginning that God said there's no sickness, and at the end there's going to be no sickness. And so we're dealing with this time that's in between, but we need to understand that what God initiates in the beginning, which we looked at last week called the law of first mention, when he does something initially, it means that that is his plan for eternity. And so we see creation, there's no sickness. We see the end result is no sickness. God didn't change his mind in the middle. We're just dealing with a fall in the middle, but God's will has always been for us to walk in wholeness and to be sound. Another thing we looked at last week was we saw that Jesus is the perfect will of God upon the earth. Jesus is the perfect will of God manifest upon the earth. John 8, 19 says this. Then he said to him, where is your father? And Jesus answered, You know neither me nor my Father. If you had known me, you would have known the Father. So Jesus was stating here that if you've known me, you would know the Father. There is no discrepancy between Jesus and the Father. Jesus is what he does on the earth is the will of the Father. If you know Jesus, you know the Father. And so what we see Jesus doing in his ministry and how he's bringing forth all area of his ministry, including healing, we know is the perfect will of the Father. John 14, 7 says this, if you had known me, you would have known my Father also. And from now on, you know him and have seen him. They knew him, the Father, and they saw the Father. Why? Because they saw Jesus. He is the perfect will of the Father. And so when we look at the scripture and we want to decipher what is the will of the Father, we look at the ministry of Christ. He was the one that brought the perfect will of the Father. Acts 10.36 says this, The word which God sent to the children of Israel, preaching peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. So when Jesus is preaching, the Bible says that God is preaching the Father through him. And so when Jesus preaches something, the Father's preaching it. You can't separate the two. And so Jesus says something, the Father said something. Jesus does something, it's the Father that's doing it. If you've seen him, you've seen the Father. If you've heard him, you've heard the Father. If you know the will of Jesus, you know the will of the Father. You can't separate the two. And that may be obvious for a lot of people, but I've also run into a lot of people, like myself included, that when I first got saved, I thought Jesus was the nice guy in the Trinity. I did. 
It was like I would pray to Jesus and ask him to like, hey, could you talk to the Father? I was a little scared in the beginning to talk to the Father because I read the Old Testament and saw some things and there was this bit of this discrepancy going on and I wondered like, how do you reconcile that? Well, you reconcile that by watching Jesus. He is the perfect will of the Father. And so we looked last week after looking at those scriptures, we looked at the transfiguration in the Bible. Now, the transfiguration is when Jesus took three of the disciples up the mountain. And when they got up to the mountain, all of a sudden, they were caught in a vision. And Jesus shone as white as snow. And who appeared around Jesus was Elijah and Moses. And Peter says, hey, let us make three tabernacles. Let us make three tabernacles, one for Elijah, one for Moses, and one for Jesus. And when he says this, all of a sudden this voice comes out of the heavens, boom, comes out of the heavens and says, this is my son, hear ye him. And so what that meant was Elijah was symbolic of the prophets and Moses was symbolic of the, the law. And so they were like, let's raise a tabernacle. Let's have a tabernacle for the, for the prophets. Let's have a tabernacle for Moses and let's have a tabernacle for Jesus. And this voice said, wait a minute. The time has finally come now where all this is going to be put into perfect perception because my son is on the earth declaring the perfect will of the father. And so we can read the law and we can get messed up and we can read the prophets and we can get messed up filtering our own thoughts into them. But God was saying, listen, if you want to know what all this means, this is my son. Hear ye him. Because if you hear him, you hear me. If you see him, you see me. Right? And so if we want to know the perfect will of the Father, we watch Jesus on the earth. That is the perfect will of the Father. And we can go and we can say, well, what about this? And what about this? What about Jesus? And not like those are wrong. We just filter incorrectly. We observe things incorrectly. And if we want to know what the law means, and we want to know what the prophets mean, and we want to know what it all means to us, look at Christ. Because he came and fulfilled it all. Right? So, the perfect will of the Father. Mark 1, 40 to 42. Again, looked at this last week. Now, a leper came to him, incurable disease. Nobody could do anything about it. Imploring him, kneeling down to Jesus and saying to him, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Then Jesus moved with compassion. Now, if Jesus is moved with compassion, guess who else is moved with compassion? The Father, right? God the Father. Jesus moved with compassion, stretched out his hand. If Jesus stretched out his hand, guess who stretched out his hand? The Father. And touched him and said to him, I am willing. And if Jesus said, I am willing, who else said, I'm willing? Because Father preaching through Jesus, I am willing. Be cleansed. And so one of the things that oftentimes we struggle with is sickness. And we ask the question, is it God's will to heal? Yes. Why? Because Jesus shows the perfect will of the Father on the earth. And this leper came to him and said, if you're willing, you can make me clean. And Jesus was moved with compassion. He didn't just even go, okay, let me think about it. He was moved with compassion. I am willing. When we talk to the Father and he hears our cries and he hears our prayers, it's not like, wait a few moments, I got lots on my plate. He's moved with compassion towards us. We draw to him, he draws to us. It's an awesome, awesome God. 
And so I am willing, he said. And as you follow the, follow the ministry of Christ, there is not one. Now, if Jesus is the perfect will of God on the earth, you think there would be one. But there's not one incident where Jesus turned anybody away to be healed in the entire Gospels. Not once. Not once did he turn anybody away. Now, if we are told he is the perfect will of God, and there was any question about it, you think that one time, one time it would have happened. But it didn't. Anybody who came to him, he healed. And there's only one incident in the Bible where he says there was a town where he could do no mighty work because of their unbelief. Not because he didn't have compassion. Not because it wasn't his will. He couldn't do any mighty work because of their unbelief, the Bible says. So, is God willing? I am. Yes. We see it in the scripture. We see it through the ministry of Christ. We see that it is the will of God to heal. And we know that instinctively. And how do we know that? Like I shared last week, if you cut your arm, what happens? What immediately begins to happen? It begins to heal. It begins to heal. And if you just do a little cut, you'll find out it just won't be long before there's no blood coming out anymore. A healing process has taken place. It is integrated into the very DNA and the very person who we are. And so when we cut ourselves, it heals. That's part of the design. And if it doesn't heal, what do we say? Something's wrong. And we might look to medication or blood thinners or something's going on, but something's wrong, right? You know, or if we can't get over a common cold or something, what do we say? Something's wrong. Why? Because something's wrong. Because it is God's will that we heal. Period. So, I get to that and oftentimes we come to the next question. Why is it so important that we know if it's his will? What is, is, there, is, is there a difference in knowing his will or not in this situation? Well, yeah, there is. 1 John 5.14 says this. Now, this is the confidence that we have in him. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Right? We can ask a lot of silly things not according to his will that he's probably not paying a lot of attention to. But when we ask anything according to his will, can you throw that back up, please? This is the confidence that we have in him that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Can you move on to the next scripture? And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. So it is important to know the will of God. Yes, because he tells us to go and present to him and ask according to his will. That's the design that he built into us. We pray. And God even says that he knows what we're going to pray before we pray it. But in his will and in his divine wisdom, he set it up that we should pray to him. And when we pray to him, his will, he hears us. And if he hears us, then we know that we have the petitions that we are asking for. So it is important to know the will of God. Of course it is. Because then we can go to him as he asks and ask for something according to his will. God, I got sickness in my body. God, your word declares that you are willing. God, your word declares that you're the healer. And then we're asking according to his will. So it is important to know the will of God. James 1, 5 through 8 says it this way. If any of you lacks wisdom, and this is so important. I, this is so important. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, 
who gives liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He's double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. It's amazing that all God asks us to do is believe him and ask him and believe him. And so when we know his will, that changes everything. We don't have to go, God, are you willing? We know he's willing. He's already answered it in the scripture. We know he's willing by the ministry of Christ. We know he's willing by the word of God. So when we go to him, we know his will. We can ask. We know he hears us and we know that we can have the petitions. When we go to him for wisdom, which is so important. You know, I've, I spent many, many, many years teaching healing. And actually, when we first started opening the ministry, that was one of the big topics that I preached on. And it's really what grew the church initially. And, and, um, and we had our little revival time there. And we've seen a lot of amazing things happen with God. And I would spend a lot of time in the area of preaching and, and praying for people in the area of healing. And many people would come just to receive from the Lord. And at that time, you know, it, 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 was, it, was, it, it was awesome. I love seeing God move. I have a, a whole book full of things that took place that we recorded in testimony and, and all sorts of wonderful things that took place because God is alive. He's not dead. He rose from the grave. He truly did. But as the years went on, I certainly have not hit the summit yet. But it's amazing how years go on that you climb the mountain, you get different views at, at different points in your life. And so not like I disbelieve anything that we started with. I believe God moves powerful and everything, but I realize that God moves in all different ways. And this scripture became so personal to me because God really will move through his wisdom at times, right? And one of the things, even in the area of health, we have to pay attention to the wisdom of God, Right? What if we are doing something that is, that is happening to us? We want the wisdom to be able to change it. And I've often thought about we are spirit and we have a soul and we are covered in a body, but our body is the dust of the earth. That's what it's made up of. We're made up from the dust of the earth. And so really what goes into our body and things like that, it can matter. And so looking for the wisdom of God is so vitally important. And so when we go to him, Yes, we come in faith, and yes, God, we are the healed, and yes, God, I speak to my body, and I declare it to be the healed. But in that moment, he may move miraculously, but he also may be speaking, and we got to make sure that we open our spiritual ears to hear the wisdom of God, and that's for every arena of life. You know, we can go around and pray and declare, but if God's trying to transform us through wisdom, Sometimes we often don't see what we want to see because we're not hearing what we should hear. And that's just the process of Christianity in general. It's just hearing God and being changed. And so I believe it's so vitally important for all areas of our life that we spend time asking God for wisdom. Wisdom. To be able to grow and, and mature. And, and don't we act so entitled sometimes? Now, I believe we have the right, but don't we just act so entitled sometimes like God should follow us around? You know, it's like, God, I'm going this way. You're coming. Now, he never leaves us and forsake us, so technically he's there, but we can't determine the will of God. We can't direct the will of God. It's our job to fall into the will of God. But a lot of times what happens is we want God to follow us and then it doesn't go our way and we blame everybody and everything, including God, why things are going wrong. 
You just have to be in this world for things to go wrong. That's it. You just have to be in this world for things to go wrong. That's why it's so important that we spend time going after the wisdom of God. Why? Because he knows everything. Everything. So wisdom is so important. And so why do we want to know the will of God? So that we can pray. Why do we need to know that it's the will of God for us to walk in health? So we can pray. So we can stand. Yes, so we can fight even. But so we can seek the wisdom of God. All these different areas. God is not stuck in a box. We are to just seek him and respond to what he wants for our lives. So, is it the will of God to heal? According to the scripture, it is. Therefore, it is. Is it important for us to know the will of God? Yes, according to scripture, he wants us to pray according to the will of God. He wants us to stand according to the will of God. He wants us to declare according to the word of God. He wants us to seek for wisdom in the matter, in that area. Relationally, so important. So then I get to the next question that comes oftentimes. Why is there even sickness in the earth? Why are we even dealing with this stuff? Well, like anything not good in this world, it's all just part of the fall. It's all just part of the fall. And I think it's important that we come to that understanding that it's all just part of the fall. It's not the will of God for our lives to be beat up and for us to be sick and for us to struggle in certain areas. It's not the will of God. We sang a song this morning, every good and perfect gift comes from the Father of lights and whom there's no shadow or variation of turning. He's a good God. John 10.10, 10, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have to come to bring you life and life more abundantly. Acts 10.38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and power who went about doing good, healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. God good, devil bad. So we can ask the question, is sin the will of God? For us to do stupid things in sin, is it the will of God? But it happens, right? Same with sickness. It's not the will. Just because something happens doesn't mean it's the will of God. And so it's good that we understand that. I'm going to look at Mark chapter 4, 35 through 41. On the same day when evening had come, he said to them, let us cross over to the other side. Now, when they had left the multitude, they took him along in a boat as he was, and other little boats were also with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat, so that it was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on a pillow, and they awoke him and said to him, teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Then he arose, rebuked the wind, and said to the sea, peace be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. But he said to them, why are you so fearful, and how is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said to one another, who can this be that even the wind and the sea obey him? So here they are, and it's time for them to go to the other side. And he said, let us go to the other side. And as they're going, a great windstorm arose. Now, I've studied this out according to a Greek scholar. I'm not one, but like I said, I like to read Greek scholars and, and how, what the original language says. And it shows us in the scripture, according to a Greek scholar, that when this word arose in the English is something else in Greek, that means suddenly and something that would take you off guard. So they were going across the sea and something that wasn't expected took place. 
And what it was, was this great windstorm. And the word great is the word mega in there. And I'm taught through this literature that there was this big storm that took place. Not rain, this big windstorm that arose out of nowhere and really began to attack the boat, attack the sea, and they were into trouble. And so they were on their way to go over to the Gadarenes, which is where there was this crazy demoniac, if you remember the story, and he cast the demons out of them. So I don't know if the enemy knew ahead of time what was going to take place, but for some reason, he did not want Christ to cross that lake. And so he got in the boat and suddenly taken off guard, there was this big windstorm. The waves were crashing over boat. The boat was filling. Jesus was in the back of the boat and they go to him and wake him up and say, do you not care? And he gets up and it's very interesting the language and what he does. He rebukes the wind. Now he is, if you've seen him, you've seen the father. The Bible says that everything was created through him and for him, Christ. So he is the creator of creation. So this wind was created by him. And he gets up out of the boat and he rebukes it. And it was like he was rebuking this child, like, how dare you? I didn't create you to do this. And I love that moment. I didn't create you to do this. Rebuke it. Boom, stop it. So it shows me in this world that there's stuff that goes on that he didn't create to happen that way. We're just in this fallen world with sin in the world, with a devil that tries to beat everything up. And he gets up and says, rebukes the wind. No, no, no. You were not designed to do this. So there's lots of things that happen to us in life that's not part of God's design. And so he rebukes it. He commands the sea peace, be still. And then he turns to them and says, why is it that you have no faith? And I really don't know what he was saying about that. Was he saying to them, why didn't you rebuke the wind? I don't know. Was he just saying to them, listen, why are you so upset? You could have just got me up nicely. You know I'm, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father, and the Father created wind, and I'm part of creation. I just stopped the thing. I don't know if he was saying that or if he was saying, listen, you should have just done it yourself. But I can tell you the reason why he had a right to say, why is it that you have no faith? And the reason he had that right to say it is, what did he say to them before he got in the boat? Let us go over to the other side. Now, if you've seen him, and which means you've seen the Father, if Jesus says, we're going to the other side, <laughs> that's right, we're going to the other side. It doesn't matter about wind. It doesn't matter about waves. It doesn't matter if your boat is about to sink. If Jesus says, we're going to the other side, we're going to the other side. It was the will had already been declared. And so why could he rebuke him? Because he already heard the will. So that's sometimes why people get challenged in the Bible and think that's sometimes why he even challenges us. Why do we keep asking and asking for his will when he's already declared it? If it be thy will, that's fine when we don't know it. But if we do know it, he says, ask according to his will. Right? If he says... I want you to wear that shirt today. And you say, if it be your will, I'll wear that shirt today. He's going to be like, did I not just declare to you the will of God? But that's our prayer life. If it be your will, well, he's told us a lot of his will. 
And that's his will. So we can come to the throne room boldly without reproach. He doesn't care how bad your day was. He wants you there declaring his will. Why is it that you have no faith, he said to them? Why? Because he had said, let us go over to the other side. So why is it important that we know his will? Why is it important that we know this? Because when the storms of life arise, we arise. That's why. That's why. When the storms of life arise, we arise in the name of Jesus, of course. We arise. What does that mean? We fight. And in the area of healing, what does it mean? When the storms arise, we fight for life. That's our duty, our job. Yes, we live in a fallen world. And why are bad things happening to us? You live in the earth that has not fully been redeemed yet, period. And so much time, we want to spend time, oh, this is happening, and that is happening, and this is happening, and it must be happening, and I must be doing something wrong, or they must be doing something wrong, or da-da-da-da. You live in a fallen world with a God who is so gracious. He's remitted all of your sins, tells you to boldly come to his throne room of grace. You have full right to ask him at any moment of the day, no matter what is going on in your life. You are the redeemed. You are hid in Christ. Things go wrong. Why? We live here right now. And yes, we have wisdom. And yes, if we don't live according to his wisdom, there's repercussion. But you ain't going to get through this world without storms. Why is this happening, God? Well, that's the wisdom part, I guess, if you really want to know. But most of the prayers like, why is this happening to me? But wisdom says, God, why is this happening to me? Because I know it's not your will. Now, it's just a fact of life. We're going to go through this life with storms and many of us are going to end up on the other side and many of us are going to end up in eternity and a lot of us are probably not going to have conquered some areas of our lives. It's just a fact. We'll be fully redeemed when we get there unless, of course, the return happens before that. We are not going to win every battle. That's my different position on the mountain. Now I used to think we'll win every... No, we're not going to. Why? Because I, my spirit's perfected yet, but I, I still think and do really stupid stuff. Why I continually want the wisdom of God to change and transform me. But there is one thing for sure. We fight for the will of God. It's one thing. That's why all this stuff, and I'm getting off topic, all this stuff that we're seeing in political different things and, and you know, all this like identity politics and all this kind of stuff. I don't mind people struggling. Just don't tell me it's the will of God. Because we are going to fight until the very end for the will of God, right? And I would rather tell you that this is the will of God and I'm falling short, but I'm not going to try to convince you that it's not the will of God when he's already declared it, right? So some of us are going to stumble through heaven with limps until we get there, but we're going to fight to be whole. We're going to fight for life, period. And he will continue to give us wisdom. And he will continue to give us his anointing to heal. And he will continue to abide by his word when he tells us to lay hands on the sick and to bear one another's burdens. He will continue to confirm his word, his will, his spirit in the word. They don't disagree, the Bible says. They agree. So I want to pray. And I feel the anointing of the Holy Ghost again. I just think that he's confirming this over the last few weeks. I want you with me right now on a personal level, you and God, just to close your eyes and spiritually bow before him.
Father God, we stand before you, sit before you, bow before you. We are here before you as your kids. We know that your will is for us to walk in divine health. We know that you are the creator of life and that you made life very good. We know that the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but you have come to bring us life and to bring it more abundantly. And so, Father, we submit ourselves to you and your wisdom. We open our hearts to you. We come before you boldly to your throne, and we declare that we are your kids, that you are not ashamed of. You've seated us in heavenly places with you. You've given us the authority and the right to walk in and speak to you. So, Father, we stand before you. We declare that we are the healed because you declared it. You declared it. And if you tell us so, we're not going to disagree with it. So right now, we accept that. We believe that in the name of Jesus Christ, that we are your healed. And we ask you, Father, that we may see that on this side of heaven, on earth as it is in heaven. Father, we ask you for wisdom. If there's anything that we need to adjust in our lives, we ask you for that wisdom. Whether it be attitude, whether it be nutrition, whether it be something we're being exposed to, whatever it is, you know. And we accept that fact that you are almighty God who knows everything. And we thank you for the wisdom that you're giving to us liberally overflowing in our lives. Father, we agree as a congregation this morning that you are a God who is so good to his kids, who is the healer, and we declare here that we belong to you healed in the name of Jesus. We agree as a congregation today here that sickness does not have any right to be in our bodies. It's part of the fall. We command it to leave in the name of Jesus. Father, we ask you that every cell in our bodies produces the life of God. From the top of our heads to the soles of our feet to the very ends of our fingertips, that our very last cell in our body produce the life of God. Life. We speak life to our bodies in the name of Jesus. Life and wellness. Wholeness as part of salvation. In the name of Jesus. You believe that? Amen.